Welcome to Vinyasa in Verse, the podcast where we connect mind, body, and spirit through poetry and practice. I'm Leslie Ann Hobayan. Together, we'll explore different ways of connecting with our innermost selves and how to tap into the flow of the universe. Because once that happens, anything is possible. Your best life starts now. Hey, loves. Welcome to another episode of Vinyasa in Verse. How are you on this beautiful day? I hope this recording finds you well and safe and finding moments of peace where you can just be who you are. Deep breath in and a deep breath out. And so today I have a special guest, <laughs> this beautiful woman who, whose paths crossed mine a few months ago in this amazing um, online course experience, which was so fun, so fun. And I really believe in um, synchronous meetings because it turned out that we had a lot of friends, mutual friends on Facebook. And I was like, oh my God, how do you know this person? What, 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 what? <laughs> so I'd just like to welcome to the show a woman who is a yogi, a spiritual mentor, a writer of all kinds, mm -hmm. who has a beautiful space behind her, if you guys could see. There's so much bold color. I love it. Welcome to the show, Karen Kenny. Woo! <laughs> I'm so, <laughs> so just delighted to be here. It's a happy honor. And I, I always say to people, I never, ever, ever take it for granted when somebody invites me into their world and their space and into um, put the care of their listeners uh, for a little bit, at least in, in my hands. And so I appreciate you so much for having me. I'm wicked excited yes. to be here uh, to have a conversation with a fellow yogi and writer in person who like, I, you know, we just, it, like you said, it was one of those things where you just find your people. I always say spiritual team on the job, no mistake. So yeah, so, it yeah. is inevitable. Whoever, of course, the miracle says, you know, whoever shall is supposed to meet shall meet. And so here yeah. we are. Here yeah, we are. yeah. And then also, just on the other side of that, is those that leave your life have left their lesson that they needed that you needed to learn. Exactly. And when when the, when the when the teaching opportunity, when you have learned everything you need to learn from each other, then the, then then you part ways. Yeah, and we can yeah. do it. We can do it like, hey, thanks for yeah. the experience. And uh, <laughs> exactly, exactly. So yeah. I thank you for being in my life and for the experiences that we will give each other thank as we continue that. on. Awesome. Yeah. All right. So to start off our episode, we have our trusty, I call it the roulette of poems. Yes. <laughs> Hafez's book, The Gift. And so I'll just flip through the pages. And ooh, this poem for today is called The Earth Braces Itself. Mm -hmm. The earth braces itself for the feet of a lover of God about to dance. The sky becomes very timid when a great saint starts waving his arms in joy. For the sky knows its prized fixtures, the sun, moon, and planets could all wind up rolling so wild on the floor. My dear, this world, its laws, our perceptions are such a minute pair of existence. Mm. Should not all of our suffering and sadness be like this, as just dropped from an infant's palm that is asleep against the breast of God? Mm. The earth braces itself for the feet of Hafez. The sky pulls a mirror from its pocket and is practicing looking coy 
for the beloved has at last opened his arms and is inviting my heart to eternally dance. The day candle, the sun, has forgotten the hour. The whole world has gone joyously mad. Look, the sun's sweet cheeks are blushing in the middle of the night, desiring the rampage of the feet of God's lovers. <laughs> Ooh, I love that one. Ooh, it's right, man. It is, uh, it's so interesting because I just like three days ago posted, did a post on Facebook and um, I ended my post with a, with a little poem and by Hafiz. I say Hafiz, Hafez, both, whichever. I don't know. You probably have the correct pronunciation. Well, it's so funny because I had some woman, um, a friend of mine said it, it's Hafiz. And I was like, okay. And then I met a Iranian woman and she's she like, says, Hafez. Hafez. Look at it. I'll like, say okay. either, either, either or both. I don't care. It's just whenever. But, we know who we're talking about. Yeah. Whenever I read his, his, um, his work, his poetry, it is, it is literally like it's intoxicating. It's intoxicating. Yeah. As a per like, I'm like, I don't drink or do drugs or any of that stuff anymore, <laughs> but I get intoxicated by words and, and the, the, the specific, you can feel like the desire and longing and celebration and the, um, the, just the, the, the enthusiasm. I think I've always, that's what I love about the great Sufi poets. It's like just so much enthusiasm and unabashed, unabashed love yes. for God. And I just revel, like I just, I swoon. It's like swooning. Like I go, oh, like I yes. just, oh. that's and how I, I felt it. with this poem. Like it's just yes. this swooning. It's this ecstatic, yes. sensual love. That's not, yeah. I mean, because a lot of us that are stuck in the, in the physical body and the physical <laughs> view of things, yes. they get like all uncomfortable. It's like, how could you talk about God and your relationship with God in such a sensual way? But I feel like that's, like, what else is there? <laughs> you know, and I, yeah, and I think it's really interesting. I don't think like, because I think so many traditions, like religious traditions can sometimes feel like, you know, as raised as a Catholic kid, it was like, well, God was something outside of you, mm -hmm. like judging you and there's all these standards and stuff. So it wasn't, it didn't feel, there's an intimacy, I think. Uh, there's an intimacy here that is often missing in like these strict kind of rigid rules. Like, you know, yeah. and I think that, you know, the thing, the beauty of the poets is they transcend like the limitations of the thoughts of this world. And it, it's so interesting because when I did my, um, my spiritual mentoring, um, I was in a year long program and it was deep and it was varied and it was intense. And my, my, um, my mentor who like did the certification at the end, at the very end on graduation day, she went over to each participant. There was only like six of us or so. She went over to each of us and she handed each person like um, a white rose and she whispered something in their ears. Right. So as writers, we're like so perpetually nosy. Like we just, I call it curious. <laughs> I don't like to say nosy, but like I was dying to know like what right. she was saying in everybody's ears. Right. So when she came over to me, she leaned forward and she whispered in my ear. And there's a reason why I'm telling this story. And she whispered in my ear and she said, you are on fire for God. And she said, you are like a horse that is galloping across a field, setting everything on fire with your love. And she said, don't ever let anybody put out that flame or that spark. And I felt like, and I, and I think there's like, I feel, and I think this is what you feel too, especially as writers, right? There's a, um, there's a kinship 
with Hafez and mm -hmm. with Rumi and the unabashed, the unabashed poets who just pour themselves onto the page with their devotion and they don't care how it sounds or how it looks, you know? And, yeah. and I think that was like, you know, the poem that I shared and I know I'll, I know I'm supposed to do this at the end, but this is like a, a little caveat, but so just a little sneak peek of the thing that I wrote, it says, you know, well, it's, it's, it's Hafiz's poem, Hafez's poem. It says, you know, the small man builds cages for everyone he knows mm. while the sage who has to duck his head when the moon is low, keeps dropping keys all night long for the beautiful rowdy prisoners. Yes. <laughs> and I love that concept of just like the, there's a rowdiness to their love. It's not, it's not pretty and perfect and not right. dirt. It's like, there's a rowdiness, I think, to their passion. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I love that, that animated description that you're giving because, you know, too often we're, we're given these, these ideas of what love looks like right? It's like a Hallmark card or it's like boy meets girl and they get married and whatever, you know? Um, and then God forbid, you know, and then, and then when it becomes quote unquote rowdy and we're talking the material of, yeah, then it becomes like inappropriate, you know, it's yeah. like, if you're not married and you're going wild and crazy in bed, then, you know, you should be ashamed of yourself. You know, this is also like, also Catholic talking. Yeah. <laughs> so there's that, there's that shame around like enjoying, you know, the body. And so it's, it's so what I love about the Hafez and the Rumi poems are that they invoke this ecstatic love, this rowdy yes. love that is for something beyond the body. It's, it's so true. You know, it's like, I kind of, as the mom of, you know, six furry kids, but one of my, one of my dogs in particular, um, Buckminster, Bucky, Buck, Buckminster biscuits, we call them Bucky biscuits or Bucky <laughs> or Buckaroo, whatever. Bucket. <laughs> so Bucket is like such a mama's boy. So every time I walk in the room, it is like a miracle has occurred, right? Like he's like, oh, you're back. Like the sun to my universe yeah. is like back yeah. in the room and he spins around and his little tail is like going crazy. And I just think like, imagine if we greeted each other oh. with that kind of ecstasy. Like yeah. imagine if when somebody, the, your beloved in human form or whatever, or your kids or, you know, a, a dear friend or whatever, like walks in the room and you actually put down your phone and you turn to them and it's like, oh, you're back. And I think this, it's just this unapologetic, um, you know, and it's interesting because I think there's a, a vibe sometimes now where people are like, I'm not apologizing to anybody. Like, <laughs> and I'm just like, it's not that. Right. It's like, it's just like this, un, it's unabashed. It's like, it's not, it's like I would call, um, What's the word I'm looking for? You know, when you're self-conscious, the opposite of that. It's like not being self-conscious in the expression of your love, whether it be physical or emotional. Unfettered, or, maybe? Yeah, well, yeah, well, yeah, just not being like, oh, I don't want to do this because they might, it's like, right. it's just fully being in the present moment of riding that wave of emotion. And I think it, it asks one to be vulnerable. And I think that's wicked scary for people. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's, I think you hit the nail on the head because if someone allows themselves to feel that kind of love, that kind of ecstasy, then the heart is super open. And when that's happening and the vulnerability comes out, people are like, wait a minute, I'm exposed to attack. 
I'm exposed yeah. to like all these negative things that can come and hurt this, this openness. Um, and it really comes down to trusting that that's, that's not going to happen. Well, and, and, but here's the thing, it might happen and we can learn, right? Because humans are humans that yes. we I always say we're, we are quote unquote, you know, in the Catholic, in Catholic tradition, we say we trespass, but I like to say, right. Like that, that we, um, we're clumsy. We yeah. don't need to be, we're like a puppy with big feet, right? We're, yeah. we're yeah. just unintentionally sometimes clumsy, but I think that that intimacy requires vulnerability. Like if we go in with our dukes up, with holding up our shields, you know, like we miss an opportunity. So, so yeah, you know what? We might love unabashedly and we might get hurt. And we have the inner resources to deal with whatever arises. So like, like Rumi says, you know, uh, this being human is a guest house. Each yeah. day, a new arrival, a meanness, some shame, some joy, like swing open the doors and invite them all in laughing, knowing they've been sent as a gift from beyond. And I just think like it's all arriving for us if we can receive it. And, 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 and so, and it's interesting too, because and I know I'm kind of eh, taking a little detour, but we were talking <laughs> previously about your work with empaths. And this thing that you're creating to help empaths, because there is that feeling as an empath of, of being, if you don't have um, tools or skills or um, healthy boundaries, which I think your course, the thing you're creating will provide, but a way for them to experience the world where they can be open, but not feel so raw and exposed. Am I making yeah, sense? Yeah, 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 totally, totally. And I, and I think one of the things that you were saying, I was like, yes, like the whole time you're talking, I'm like, yes, 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 yes. <laughs> um, one of the, one of the things that I loved was this reminder that we have the tools within us you know, because, because we've been conditioned so much so that we've forgotten our truest, deepest essence selves, that we have the tools, that we have the power to take care of ourselves, to allow ourselves to be open and full of love and, and vulnerable and handle it. We can handle it. Amen. Double amen hands. In, in the work that you guys, you guys who are listening at home, you can't see us, but we're very excited right now yes. talking to each other. You can hear it. I was you like, can really double amen hands uh, while you were talking. But um, yeah, it's interesting. You know, the work that I do, so much of it is called, uh, the umbrella of it is called Fearless Flow. And it comes from, um, uh, uh, it comes from the hot beats, the hot beats of the work that I do come from these very particular quotes that have, um, I mean, many, many, many things inform my work, but there's this thing. So in A Course in Miracles, there's a line that says, um, if you knew who walks beside you on this way you have chosen, fear is impossible. Like if you really knew who walks mm -hmm. beside you or call it what or it or God or love or spirit or Holy Spirit or source, I never give a shit what people call it. I'm like, I don't care what you call it, but if right. you know what walks beside you and the next one is genuine fearlessness arises from realizing that you have within you the, the resources whatever you need mm -hmm. because we're not just relying on our own human fallible strength we are calling upon spirit that works through us that you know yeah. is of us and i think that that's really it it's like knowing that okay and like here's the thing if, you, if you're a if you, if anybody who's listening, if you can hear the sound of my voice, like anybody listening to this right now, whatever age you may be at, 
you have already survived some shit. Like you have already survived True. some wicked hard shit. Like you already have some social proof, some empirical proof <laughs> that you can and will do hard things. Yeah. And I don't want us to ever forget that. You know, um, Clarissa um, Pinkola Estes, I don't know if you know her. She yeah, wrote yeah. Women Who Run With The Wolves. She has this beautiful, epic essay. I think of it kind of as a poem too, called We Were, Be- we were Made For These Times. Mm. And it's amazing. And I think we were made for these times. Yeah. I feel like if we weren't, then we wouldn't be here in this, <laughs> in this point in time and history and evolution. Do you know what I mean? Yes, like, I, I feel like we are here at the perfect moment, at the perfect time, in the perfect circumstances for our evolution. And, you know, a lot of people who are not in the spiritual world, but most of my listeners are in the spiritual world, yeah. are going to be like, whatever, lady. <laughs> You know, bills are real, you know, illness is real, all these kinds of things. But it's, it's really about, all right, well, yeah, they are real, but what are you going to do with that? What are you going to do with that information? How are you going to grow from it? How are you going to, you know, what are you going to do with it? Well, and e- you know, even Einstein says we can take it to the science, not just the spiritual. So for the people oh, who yeah. even even Einstein said, well, first of all, it's time and space is an illusion. Okay, <laughs> yeah, Amen. yeah. <laughs> but uh, so all of it, right? All of right. it. But also, he said, you know, and, I, and I, I'm going to butcher it, but the heartbeat is there. Is that like you cannot you cannot solve a problem with the same level of thinking that created the problem, right? The solution yeah. doesn't lie. So in A Course in Miracles, we would say like going above the battleground, going above the battlefield. And the solutions of this world don't exist in this world. We have to call upon something greater. And so yeah. it's like, yeah, like, like what you're saying, it's like, okay, even if you want to just say like, um, yeah, this is real, this is real, life is hard. It's like, okay, it doesn't matter how we got here. The question is what now? Like, yeah. what are we gonna do with it or do about it? now yeah yeah you're gonna sit in your room under the covers and hide or are you gonna like go do something like get a snack i don't know <laughs> right i'm all, and i always say to people like well i'm not gonna make you i always say do you right. want to just sit in your diaper is that what you want to do or do we want to do right do we right but so admit it like that's the biggest thing it's same well, thing yeah. with like forgiveness i just say to people just admit that you are enjoying being a victim right now. Like admit mm. that you're enjoying the obstacles that are, you've, you're, you continue to put in your way. Just admit that you don't want to forgive the bastards. Like just, just get, we, just let's get wicked honest about the choices that we're making and then maybe we can choose differently. But we've got to acknowledge that we're yeah. here yeah. and that there are solutions. Yeah. We're just maybe not choosing them right now. Yeah. And that's okay. You're still lovable, but like let's not, put the blame and stuff out there. And the reason why, like sometimes people get pissed, right? Like I'm like, the reason why we don't want to have the cause of our issues be out there, why we want the cause to be our own mind and our own limited thinking, because that's the only place change can happen. I don't want my salvation, my happiness, my whatever, my peace to belong in the hands of something or someone else. So I want it to also be my fault. Like I'm like, we have to own both our brilliance and our Yeah, that's where your freedom ultimately lies, you know? Yeah, yeah, totally. And then, but also it's like, you know, you said a whole bunch of stuff and I was like, which thing did I want to hang on to? (laughs) It's all, it's all so good. But it is about, it is about just first, the first step is recognizing and owning up to where you are. Like, yeah, you want to be the victim and you're okay with that. and, And maybe you take pleasure in it. It's okay. No judgment. 
just acknowledge it. Just be aware of it because you can't go anywhere until you understand where you're starting from. Yes. Otherwise, you just stay in one place, spin in the hamster wheel, you know? And yeah. then you're like, why does life suck? Well, because you keep saying that to yourself. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like, yeah, I mean, I think that, um, you know, we, we, I always say to people, I do a lot of, a lot of work around forgiveness with people, people who I have what I call like slow burn forgiveness things. You know, the people that I often work with in spiritual mentoring, I always say, you're not working with me because everything's going great, right? right? You're, you're, you're here because there's something that's going on. And there's, um, there's a lot of people who often come to me who have unresolved grief or re like traumas and tragedies, just wicked hard, wicked hard things that have happened. Mm. And so, um, you know, at some point though, you know, we have to say like, okay, this, this awful thing has happened and it all comes down to like, like this thing of like, now what? And so a lot of times when people are coming to me with this, what I call again, this slow burn forgiveness thing, it's like, yeah, like, let's just admit, like, this is a big step. Like, let's just admit that right now you don't want to forgive yourself or that person. We have to like really get honest in that you're ultimately getting something from staying victimized. And yeah. I really want, and again, we do it with, if you do it, if you do it with curiosity and not judgment, like yeah. that's such a huge thing. So, you know, we just ask a lot of questions like, what could you possibly from, get from not forgiving, which is AKA withholding your love, right? Like what, what could you be getting from it? And it's everything from, like you said, like it's everything from like, um, I get attention for being wounded, AKA broken, like, mm -hmm. you know, helpless, hopeless, whatever the thing is, I get attention for that. Um, I get to be right. Mm -hmm. If I'm self-righteous in my anger and make them wrong, like I get to be right. Yeah. Like I get to like, there's a lot, there's a thousand like, and people, and it's interesting when you're in a group and you do that work, the different answers that they have and people's heads just like snap around. Cause they're like, Oh my God, I like, I never thought of it that way, but yeah. Yeah. But owning it is where the power, like that's where the healing yeah. begins. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And then, but that, but how do you get somebody to that point? You know, a lot of us are comfortable in the familiar pattern of, I'm the victim, I'm the victim, I'm the victim, or whatever it is, you know, or sure. I'm a jerk, or I won't forgive. So how, like, what do you do specifically? Like, and I don't mean like the step-by-step -step specifically, but how yeah. do you guide people to, to make that step towards owning it? Because a lot of us are like, I don't want to own that. That's not, that's, that's no, I don't want to. I want to blame somebody else. Um, even if it means that I want to grow, I, nah, actually I'm, I'm good here. You know what I mean? Like, so yeah. how do you encourage people? Well, I think there has to a, be a certain amount of willingness. You yeah. know, I'll never forget like when I was like 20, I don't know, maybe like 22 or whatever. I just moved to LA, Los Angeles from, from Boston. And it was like the boom of like the self-help movement. Mm. And it was when Tony Robbins, he was like young and like a like skinny little kid, like totally yeah, yeah, different yeah. than the, the, you know, the monstrosity of power he is now. But he was young and he, he just put out a book. And I'll never forget reading. It stayed with me this whole time. I'll never forget reading, um, uh, and again, paraphrasing, that people will continue to do the same thing until, the, until it has to become so painful mm -hmm. that they are willing to change. They are willing to either let go or surrender or there must be, you know, and of course in miracles we would say it kind of like this, there must be 
a better way. There must yeah. be a different way. And until, you know, Leonard Cohen, the great Leonard Cohen says, you know, um, there's a crack in everything. It's how the light gets in. Mm-hmm. I feel like there has to be that moment where there's a crack and whether it's a breakdown and on your knees, like a, a, a rock bottom, a moment yeah. where you just are so fucking sick of yourself. Like you just want to unzip your own skin and crawl out of yourself because you're so yeah. sick of yourself. Yeah. There has to be a come to Jesus moment, as I would call it, where you're yeah. just like, you, when you finally accept that your way is no longer working. Yeah, yeah. Which allows spiritual team to either bring in a book, a teacher, a mentor, a right. program, a course, a miracle, like yeah, whatever. Yeah. Right. That's what it, and of course in miracles, we say that's what a miracle is. It's not like walking on water and doing all this healing of the, it's a right. miracle is a shift in perception from fear to love. Yeah. When the mind becomes like willing and I just think a certain amount of willingness. So I invite people to really take a look at it and say, well, if you continue to do this, which is causing you to feel exhausted, depleted, Mm -hmm. headaches, Mm -hmm. TMJ, chronic fatigue, IBS, like all the ways that- All the ways the body is like- All the ways that suffering. (laughs) And I always say, look, 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 suffering is a good teacher until you get a better teacher, (laughs) right? So it's an opportunity to have a a new teacher. And there's a thousand ways. I mean, you got to have, a, and as you know, right? In the work that we do, you got to have a lot of different tools in the toolkit because not every process or way of uh, POV, a particular way of looking at something will resonate with everybody. So I've gotten pretty savvy at being able to find analogies, stories, like right. ways in to present the possibility that it could be and feel, could be and could feel differently. Yeah, yeah. And I think that that key point is that there is a willingness, even if it's the slightest nudge. Um, oh, and by the way, the Leonard Cohen quote, is also from Rumi, just FYI. Is it? Oh, so yeah. the, um, so he, but he, hold on. That's, he that's quoted me. Rumi. Did he ever give credit? Does he ever give credit? I don't know. I don't know if he does or not. It's but. wicked important to me. It's the same thing with like, I'm always, yeah. I always say yeah. like, look, not to be a dick, but just so you know, if I see somebody yeah. post something, I always say, yeah. hey, P.S. by the way. By so, the way, so Leonard Cohen took that from Rumi. But yeah, thank you. <laughs> um, and I might have the poem somewhere. If I find it, I'll send it to oh, you. Oh, I'll Google it and find it too. Yeah. Now I'll be like <laughs> obsessed. Um, but I think it is important to have that little, that little crack, that little um, opening for the opportunities to come in for that shift to happen. But yes. I just, you know, just as a comment, I feel sad for those who are so closed off that they don't even see you know what they're stuck in and maybe they end up spending their whole lives without that opening or that crack and then I'm like all right you know guess you're gonna learn it in the next lifetime (laughs) which is why I love reincarnation because I'm like all right well you didn't get it this time around there's next lifetime (laughs) well and that's just it it's like look nobody's gonna take it from you if well, you yeah. want to stay stuck there, it's like what you're saying. Like you, you can do it now. Go ahead. <laughs> or you can like wait. <laughs> like how long do we want to do this? And I say that to my clients sometimes. Like I'm a very, I always say like very loving, but like uh, down to earth, like very direct, like very blue collar, like kind of a mentor, right? So I'll say, they'll say, and this happened and da, 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 and I'm compassionate and I love them. And I say, okay, 
I'm like, so how does this feel? It feels and I'll say, okay, so how long do we want to feel that way? How much longer do you want? You want three minutes? You want three hours? You want three days, three weeks? Like, what are we going for? And they Years. just start laughing because they can hear it. They can hear how ludicrous it is to continue to choose suffering. Yeah. Yeah. And so just that. so you know, yeah, Rumi's quote, it's a little different, but what Rumi says is the wound is the place from where the light enters you. Mm. And that's what he fed off of. Yeah. 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 That's amazing. Uh, cool. that, yeah. I love it. So thank you for, so now I have that in my. All right. In yeah. I appreciate stuff. that. <laughs> You're <laughs> welcome. You. Yeah. So, so, so now let's shift gears a little bit because I, I'd love yeah. to hear about the writing. Now, how is the writing feeding or intersecting with the work that you do with the being a spiritual mentor? Well, I mean, if it does, if it does, or yeah, if you, yeah, if no, you it's, thing. It, it does. I mean, there's, well, there's, there's a couple of different uh, pathways to answer that. So I think that, you know, I've been teaching yoga since like 1999 and, I, but I was, I was a writer. I was always a writer and a storyteller before that. Um, and so slowly, I would say gradually, but inevitably it occurred to me that yoga and writing were both they were like sisters, they were like sisters, you know, soul sisters when it came mm -hmm. to spiritual practices. And so um, I started doing yoga and writing workshops like back in like 2006. And um, I call it like creating fearless flow. And I just started kind of like doing this thing. And then I became, became a gateless certified writing teacher, blah, blah, blah. But really the connective thread there is I just, because I think as writers and as storytellers, like you, like you put a mic in front of your face, you're going to talk. Like you, you yeah. have the ability to use your voice. And I think with spiritual mentoring, I attract a lot of people who already journal or already write mm. or want to find their voice or they want to speak someday, or they just want to start using their voice to advocate for themselves or a child who has special needs. Like there's always something around voice, mm, which, okay. which is like writing, right? To me, it's like yeah. being able to, I write like I speak. And so, so much of my work as a spiritual mentor uh, revolves around story. In fact, that's, you know, like, so we're both in Stu's program, this, this tribe uh, thing around um, memberships and creating, um, you know, memberships. And so, you know, he kept talking about the success path and I was laughing because I'm like, oh, that's my process. That's what he's talking about. It's my process, which is called your story to your glory. Oh, cool. So, so much of the work that I do as a spiritual mentor is through the lens of story and storytelling mm. because wow. that existed before the yoga and the spiritual yeah. mentoring and all that stuff. Yeah. And so I just think the stories that we tell ourselves um, the voices that we listen to, whether we listen to the voice of ego, which is, you know, is the voice of fear. Uh, and I want to be clear. I don't feel, whoever's listening, I'm not saying this like as I'm teaching her anything. I'm just talking out loud, right? Uh, so that the voice of fear or we're listening to the voice of Holy Spirit or just spirit, which is the voice for love or the memory of the divine's uh, love, the beloved's love. And so I just think that being able to invite people to express themselves and whether they do it as a verbal process or they actually get out a pen and write and journal, but it's all around story. And it's all about letting go of our story, uh, surrendering our story so we can rewrite and revise our story so we can go out and live the new story, which is the glory, which is living in the fearless flow. And, mm. and um, I think inviting people um, right now, especially just like you do with your, you know, your retreats, 
for um, writers of color and stuff like that. I think it's so important that people, first of all, realize that we have a voice. And, you know, there's this voice coach. Now, this is just fascinating because I saw, I saw this yesterday. There's a voice coach named Roger Love. He works in LA and he's worked with all kinds of famous singers. And he's now helping work with writers and uh, with speakers. And one of the things that he said, and there's, there's a point, there's a reason why I'm telling you this. One of the things that he was saying is, we think that the voices that we often have, especially like if you have a nasally voice or you, <laughs> you talk a particular way, we feel like, oh, I'm stuck with this voice. And right. he said, when we're children, when we're young, the voices that we take on, we are imitating voices around us. Mm. So I think as adults, it's really important. Now he's talking literally technically sound, but I yeah. think there's something, a spiritual attachment to that, which is a spiritual pathway in, into that, which is, we want to make sure that the voice that we listen to minds, the voice that we express world is actually ours and not just shit we're regurgitating from our parents, our yeah. town, our siblings, our school teachers, the mentors, the yoga teachers that we literally don't become parrots who just repeat that we find out what's true for ourselves. And I think so much of spiritual mentoring is letting go of these old stories meaning and finding a new story to write a new way to revision to revise with new eyes with spiritual eyes the meaning that we're assigning to the stories of our life yeah and i and i love that because it really is first being aware of the fact that we have these stories because you know a lot of, like we'll just start with like square zero not even square one square zero is this is who I am. It's like the default, whatever your conditioning was growing up, the circumstances, the parenting, whatever, as adults, we, we tend to just accept it and just say, all right, well, this is what, this is who I am. Instead of this deeper inquiry of, okay, well, where did all these things come from? Where did these beliefs come from? For not even knowing, not, I was going to say forgetting, but not even knowing that you can change them, you know, that you can change the stories. And, and this option of revision is often like, hidden away or forgotten or, you know, buried underneath lots of self-help books. Um, <laughs> right. I mean, the self-help industry, I don't know. I feel like you and I should just write a self-help book and we make so much money. <laughs> oh my God. I just did. This is so funny. I just did whatever it was a few months ago and in, in a podcast episode uh, on my podcast, it said, um, self-help doesn't end with yourself. Mm. Yeah. And it's this thing like, you know, there's, there's, yeah. I mean, we could talk all day about the quote unquote self-help. I always say, like I say jokingly, I say, Jesus did not say love yourself. He said, love your neighbor. Right. He's like, he's like, yeah, but you can't love your neighbor until you get your together. Right. You right. can't really be that helpful until you get like, again, like it's such an overused analogy, but like oxygen mask on the plane right. on yourself first. Right. So right. it's like, you know, it's like, you gotta, you've got to, I, and that's the whole thing, you know, to revise means to see with like new eyes, to revision. And right. that's what we need to do. You know, where we, we do like your point to, we, we aren't taught. See, that's, that's the whole thing. We can just go into systems. Syst oh, yeah. Systemic racism, systems of oppression, systems of um, taking away your voice, teaching us how to sit still for eight hours a day in school. So then we go into the workforce. We have been conditioned mm -hmm. to listen to other people's truth. I always say, 
listen to others, but don't make their truth your gospel truth. You've right. got to find out for yourself. Question shit. Even like literally, you do traditions, right? You do traditions every year. And it's like, why do we put well, up a Christmas tree? This, this way. Because <laughs> that's because Auntie Carol always blah, blah, blah. It's like, well, Auntie Carol's dead. So we need to question everything. We have to question ourselves. We have to question our own thoughts. We have to question the rules. We have to question the laws. We have to question when something, and again, let's go back to your empathic work. We get a question like, hmm, this doesn't feel right. Like, I know they're yeah. telling me I should, quote unquote, should. I am supposed to. Uh, this is how to run my business or do a funnel. This is how right. I should show up on social media. Or this is how I should blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And it just feels icky. And it's like, listen to that. You have, you have an inner teacher who is constantly giving you feedback based on how you feel. But if we, if we don't question anything, if we're not curious about- yeah. Why do I think I'm unlovable? Where did that come from? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's that inquiry, you know? It's the inquiry that, that some people might perceive it to be too difficult to do because what if I find answers I don't want to know? Well, you know, can I handle it? I don't want to know. I don't want to know. Like, I, I, you know, like I want to look away. It's easier to look away. And but it's not. Yeah. We know that. I mean, yeah, I'm agree. Like, yeah, there's a belief that I'm not strong enough. I can't handle it. I don't have time to have a nervous breakdown. Um, it's just easier to ignore it. As I call it, I call it the suck it up and stuff it down. Like, let's just pretend. Oof, Oof I hate because that. Because it, it doesn't disappear. It goes somewhere. There are oh, no yeah. neutral thoughts. It goes somewhere. And oh, so yeah. it's not easier to be, I always say, you think it's easier to not face the truth? You think it's easier to sit in your diaper, to sit in your suffering, to sit in your self-loathing, to sit in your withholding of love? Well, if that's in, the only the thing trauma. they know, then yeah, that's easier well, for right. them. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm just okay. you know, edging no, you no. on. Yes, yes, yes. No, no, no. Yes. I 100%. I know you're feeding, you're loving me the softball. I appreciate that. But yes, we, here's the thing. Back in the day, back in the day, I would say, like literally- uh, before libraries, access to books, a free library card, before the internet, before Google, before, there are so many resources and I get it, right? Like I get it. I get it. Like you will keep doing what you do until you realize there's a, a different way. Yeah. And even sometimes when it's put, the different way is put like the tools. I always say to my clients, like, look, I can lay all the tools on the table, but I cannot make you pick them up. I say, I can walk you to the door but I can't open the door for you and I can't make you walk through the door. Like some part of you has got to want to end your own suffering. Some part of you has got to be will. It always, in Course in Miracles, it says, um, all that spirit needs, all that Holy Spirit needs is a tiny, it doesn't, it's so, it's so generous. It doesn't even say a lot. It says a tiny bit of willingness. All it needs is Rumi says, is that crack. Mm. that little place the wound is the thing where the like you know joseph campbell the great joseph campbell says the treasure that the the dark cave that you fear to enter is where the treasure lies right yeah. and it's like that's why we oh yeah you have to that the the glory lies in that old story if we can revise it yeah and like that's the thing and so this day and age 
just like I believe around racism or sexism, misogyny, xenophobia, there is so, I'm like, at this day and age, if you don't know better in some, not all instances, I don't like to do blanket statements, but in mm-hmm. most instances, it's because you are choosing to be willfully ignorant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Because the way our culture is now, there's so much awareness around awareness, around yeah. mindfulness, you know, yes. not to yes. get all meta on you, but, but I mean, it, and it's so mainstream and not to the degree that you and I are familiar with just, but just the basics. And it's, it's so mainstream that it almost is a joke for people like you and me, <laughs> but it's an invitation. And if you're not seeing that invitation, then you are deliberately choosing to look away. You put the blinders on. I mean, Jesus yeah. Christ, you can go on your phone right now and there's like 17 meditation apps, you know, know. that like, you know, and, and they've made, oh. it, they've made it like, they've even, there's even like meditation for fidgets, you know, for fidgety people, you, you know, and it's like every, every seat, even if you're in the, in the, in the, in the business world, you're not in the, you know, you're not dipping your toes into the spiritual world, yeah. but hey, P.S., you are spirit. Your whole life is your spiritual life. Yeah. I don't care. Yeah. You can, you can pretend. Ju- I always say to people, right. just because you don't choose to look at it doesn't mean that the truth isn't true. Right. So, even all the CEOs, you look at like Steve Jobs, like Bill, all these oh, people, yeah. they have used like some meditation, some form of focus, some form of yeah. mind training. Like so, yeah. it's everywhere. Look at the athletes, look at professional athletes doing yeah. yoga, doing breath work, doing like, I'm like, you would have to be, but here's what I will say as a kid from Lawrence, Mass, who it took me moving to yeah. LA. It took me moving geographically, moving my body to a new, like as far away as I could get from my, yeah. from where I grew up. That's a good point. To realize like, oh, there's another way. Like I'll never forget Marianne Williamson's book, A Return to Love, literally falling out of sh- off a shelf at my feet me picking it up and opening that book. I just like slid down. This is like way back in the day. This is like 1992, I think. There weren't even chairs in bookstores then. I just <laughs> sat on the floor yeah. like reading this book like, what the f- is happening right now? Because it was the first time, it was the first time anybody had talked about God and forgiveness that way. And it was the Ooh. first time. And she, it was her reflections on, on principles of, you guys can't see it, I'm holding it up, A Course in Miracles, right? Her book. And it was the first time that it had been proposed to me <laughs> in, in, in writing that my happiness and my suffering was my own choice. And it was my own responsibility. And I just remember literally that, li- you know, that little emoji like, <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, so you like- because where I lived and where I came from, forgiveness wasn't on the table. It was like, you punch me, I'm going to punch you back twice as hard. Eye for an eye. Yeah, eye for an eye, right? Like where I grew up. You know, it was a tough little, tough little city, right? So there was no like, oh, the, you know, forgiveness is the, is the key to happiness. Like, wait, what? Yeah. Wait, what? For what? What? Like, I, what's that's that what you're saying? That's, I'm not familiar I, I, with that one. <laughs> right. I'm a victim to nothing but my own thoughts. Like, wait, what? So it was revolutionary. It was revolutionary. But I had to physically remove myself. So mm, I imagine yeah. that there are some people. Yeah. Yeah. There are some people who just don't know. They've yeah. never seen an example of a family member who got out who did it different, who went yeah. to school, who um, walked around with peace in their hat. Like, you yeah. know, and a lot of people I think 
especially right now in the major weirdness that the world is in. Like we're in the hallway, as I, I said to you earlier. I don't, people are, people are literally just figuring out basics, animal instinct basics. Oh yeah. Roof over my head, clothes on my back, food on my table. How do I survive? So yeah. all of this, I think the spiritual stuff feels like a luxury and not a yeah. necessity, but yeah. I would, here's me being annoying. That's do it. what I do as a spiritual mentor. Do it. Post I prod, would propose, I would propose that without without the spiritual work, without the spiritual connection, without the knowing of yourself, because it's in the true knowing of yourself that you realize that you have all the tools that you need to survive this weird time. Mm -hmm. So I would say to me, the spiritual piece is like my food, my water, my clothes, my shelter. But a lot of people haven't, whether you haven't been exposed to it or you just don't know, or they had a bad experience with childhood religion or- yeah cults yeah. or quackery or not feeling right. like knowing they were different, like, you know, knowing that they were gay maybe and not feeling like they were accepted by their community. Like whatever the thing is, there's a thousand reasons why. Yeah. Yeah. People that forget is, themselves. That is so good to point that out because it's so easy for us on the coasts, right? On the East coast, the West coast. Think about it. Yes. <laughs> right. It's e so easy for us to be like, Oh, blah, 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 blah. Like we'll get on our soapbox and we'll say the things that we need to say that we feel compelled to say, forgetting that um, not everyone has our experiences and we just happen to be clustered in the same geographic <laughs> region. <laughs> um, but all those instances are so, crucial to point out because yes, if you live in a town where your family has lived there for generations, Amen. how do you know anything else? I mean, there's the internet, but you're still curating what you're looking for on the internet. But there's a lot of kids who don't have phones and don't have computers and don't have access to um, you know, they don't have parents who, uh, I mean, the atrocities, right? The million ways that we hurt one another and the ways uh -huh. that we suffer and especially children. Like, you know, I was thinking, I was reading something the other day and it said 10,000 children, 10,000 children a day die of hunger. Mm. And I just stood in my kitchen and I was just like, and it's not like I'm not aware of these things, but when you really let it like drop into your consciousness and I just started yeah. to cry and I was like, mm. how do we live in a world where there's a Jeff Bezos who makes a I mean, obscene amount of money. Obscene is the word for sure. And why do we have people without homes, water, safety? Why do we have children in cages? Right. Why are we still dealing with this insane like, why is racism even still a thing? Like, not, you know what I'm saying? I know right. why it is, but right. like in my These mind, I'm thinking, why, yeah, yeah, right. Why, 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 how can we possibly live in a world where 10,000 kids die? And I said, you know why? Because enough people, there's like, you know, all the spiritual traditions say the same thing. Like, there's a collective consciousness. There is a oneness. Mm -hmm. There is a, there's one mind. Let's call it one big mind, right? Yeah. It's because enough people have made the decision consciously or unconsciously that kids dying of hunger is okay. Yeah. And when we think about that, it feels awful. Yeah. And people even say like, when you, when you talk about not to go all political, but whatever your feelings are around Trump, but a lot of people will say like, Oh my God, Trump, blah, blah, blah. I say, Oh, Trump is just a symptom. He is a symptom of a collective consciousness where enough people thought that that was a good idea. Yeah. 
racism is still alive and well because enough people think that it's okay. Yeah, yeah. And so, right, this is why, to go back, to point back to that thing about we've got to question everything. Mm -hmm. Because if we don't, we end up in the status quo. We end up repeating the horrible history, hello, of America, like make America great again. I'm always like, look, don't get me wrong. I, I count my, my blessings every day that I was born in this country, especially as a woman, right? But let's not kid ourselves right. about how great things were for the people who were here before us and the people right. we brought over and like whatever. Right, right, right. We got some big questioning yeah. that lots, we got to be doing. Lots of questioning, lots of questioning. And- and so it, it's funny because as you're, as you're expanding the conversation into the larger world, right? Yeah. The larger physical material world, then it becomes, or it can become this sense of overwhelming. Like, what do I do? What can I do? Yeah. I'm one person, you know, like you're talking, I got to grow spiritually. And now you're telling me all this crap that's going on in the world <laughs> that I am like subconsciously responsible for and choosing, you know? So, so what what do how what do we do with all of this well one of the things i often say because i always like to use like visuals or stories or whatever to help people i always say like you can't be the person in the neighborhood who's screaming about the trash in the street when you haven't even gone in your own backyard to see that the lids were off your garbage cans and that's why it's blowing around right <laughs> so we've all been given a, a particular I, in a course of miracles we call it like um you know an individual curriculum I would call it a divine assignment too, mm -hmm. right? Where you have been given your own little plot of the spiritual garden to tend to. But part of it, like gardening is, we got to till the soil, man. Like we got to get dirty, dig up the roots of our own like thinking, our own behaviors, our own choices. We got to yeah. get in there and we're going to find some rocks, some roots, some grubs, some worms. We're going to be like, ew, like, yep. You know, it's like so much of it is like, before we can like start to nurture the soil, with nutrients and sun and water and then start to grow some things which you can then bounty the, the vegetables to your next door neighbor before we worry about the larger world because in A Course in Miracles we would say the world is simply an outward reflection of an inward picture. Yeah. It's an outward yeah. reflection of an inward condition. Mm -hmm. So our minds are like these projectors that are projecting ourselves out onto the screen of the world. And then we're hitting the screen going, oh my God, the picture's fuzzy. Why, why right. is this happening? And it's like, it's the problem isn't on the screen. The problem is the projector. Right. It's, up in, right. it's up in your mind. So one of the most right. radical things that you can do, the, the outside external world will change when enough people change in here. And for those of you who are yeah. listening, I'm like pointing to my, I would say mind is like really yeah. here, but we point right. to our heads like brain. But so right. we have to change in here. We want out there to change. We got to change in here. So you got to yeah. focus on being vigilant, mm -hmm. vigilant. Watch mm -hmm. yourself, watch your mind like a hawk. We have to watch our minds. We have, cause your thoughts are what create your words, your actions, your choices, your behaviors, your legacy, your character. It, it all starts with a thought. Your feelings start with a thought. Yeah. And it's like, so if we don't do some sort of mind training, it's why as a spiritual mentor, daily spiritual practices are non-negotiable, non-negotiable with my clients. Because I'm like, you, it's the difference between you going out into the world in, in a place of inspiration, having inspired ideas versus you going out into the world and inflicting yourself on people. 
Yeah. Ooh, inflicting yourself on people. Man, you put it that way. I'm like, woo, I better stick to my daily practice. I don't I don't want to inflict them on myself on people. <laughs> but it's true. It's like you gotta get your mind right. Like that's the thing. You change your mind, you change the world. And that's the thing. So that's the little thing. When I feel overwhelmed, like I've been vegan for 18 years. And there were just days when I, if I just really let myself think of the horrific suffering that animals are going through on a daily basis at the hands of humans. Like it can become overwhelming and Mm. we can become paralyzed. We can feel paralyzed. Like it's too much, especially if you're empathic or sensitive or whatever. It's just like, Oh my God. So I'm like, okay, I can't make the world stop abusing, murdering and raping animals. I'm like, what, what can I do? Well, I can choose how I'm going to show up. Right. And just like, just like all the great leaders, when you think of like Jesus and Gandhi and Martin Luther King, and although like people could argue, well, they were imperfect as humans. I'm like, yes. However, when we look at the embodiment mm-hmm. of soul force, the embodiment yeah. of love and how they used it for justice and reform and to, to spread the message of love, you become the embodiment of the new possibility. Yeah. of the new way. We don't fight what is. We become the new possibility and you show people like just your presence yep. makes the place better. That's yeah. the work. Yeah. Yeah, it totally is. And I love I love this embodiment that you're talking about because it's so important to be the person you want to be before you're even that person. Right? It's this it's this I want to be a better person. So just be it already, you know, like, what does that feel like? Even if it's, it's this step towards it, you can't evolve into that, into that embodiment of this, of this love of this soulful existence. If you're still staying in your present moment. Um, Cause I'm thinking about that Einstein quote that you brought up where, you know, you can't solve a problem at the same frequency as the problem like you need the solution at a at a different frequency from what what the problem is i'm never going to get that quote right <laughs> yeah i always say yeah because it gets said like so many different right, ways right right and i and i think to what wait did you finish your point cuz i don't want to yeah no it was just it, yeah it was just it was just about thinking about how you need to be different in order to be part of the solution different from how you're operating which starts with the questioning that you were talking about yeah, it's so interesting. You know, St. Francis, um, St. Francis of Assisi, who's like one of my guys on my spiritual team, and I love him so much because he's the patron saint of animals and the mm. patron saint of environment. And he used to just kind of go out into the woods and go out into nature. And he would preach to the trees and the streams and the critters and like all this stuff. But he, there's a quote that's attributed to him because uh, you and I both like accreditation. To me, it's wicked important. I always love to give credit. But it's credited to him that he says, um, uh, go out and preach and sometimes use words. Mm, so what he's that. saying is just be the thing. Yes. Go out and preach. Embody just be. it. Be it, right? Yeah. And so what what you know, one of the things that you were saying is like um people think I think there's a lot of confusion around spiritual work and 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 people think and it's even I think it's even perpetuated a little bit in yoga and sometimes the way that it's taught. So like in, in Catholicism, you know, there's like the 10 commandments mm-hmm. and in yoga, there's the, the yamas and niyamas. Right. Mm-hmm. And I always say to people, the yamas and niyamas are reminders. Yeah. It's the same way I feel about 
the, the, the 10 commandments. And I say what we've forgotten so much of it is we come to it believing that we're bad, we're broken, we're wounded, we're yeah. sinners, we're f***ed up, whatever the story is we're telling ourselves. And I have to do all these things to become who I really am. And really so much of spiritual work. And the Course in Miracles, we say, your task is not to seek for love. And I always say, because you don't have to go looking for the thing you already are. Your right. task is not to seek for love. Your task is to seek and to find, and I always add, and with the help of your spiritual team, remove. <laughs> your task is to seek and to find all the barriers, all the blocks, all the barriers that you have built against your awareness of love's presence. So what mm -hmm. that tells us is, and yoga tells us this too, with union, yeah. yoga, used to you to join together. It, what it's all pointing to is you and the divine are already one. There's just oneness. And yeah. I always say the yamas and the yamas and the eight limbs of yoga are not there to make you good and worthy. Right. They're right. there to say, hey, psst, psst. I would say like this, psst, stupid. Hey, stupid. Yeah. Hey, hey. You're, Remember already, this? you're already one with God, source, love, universe, yeah. whatever you want to call it. But in case you forget, yeah. here are some helpful tools to remind you to remember you, to bring you back to wholeness and holiness that yeah. will remove the blocks. It's the same thing. I always say so much of the work that I do with people, it's not about all of a sudden you're going to be a good person. No, it's recognizing you're already a good person. Yeah. We have to remove, take the, lift the veil, wipe away the dust from your eyes to remind you, to remember, to take all these dismembered parts of you yeah that have been yeah. pulled apart by this world and separated and to remember that's what it's not forget opposite is dismembered to remember to put back together to wholeness and holiness mm. the truth of you the truth of you and if we can remember that we become unstoppable we become yeah. the embodiment of what's possible because that's where the healing is going to take place so don't worry about changing and fixing all out there yeah. sit your ass down and get serious about your own removal of the blocks and barriers. Yeah. Them. Yeah. And I love, I love that reminder of the fact that we are remembering rather than working towards something. Yeah. Because I know a lot of people are under this impression of like, like you said, I'm already broken or I'm damaged or I've had all this, you know, bad conditioning or like my parents were crappy or whatever it is, you know, all these external things that then we think, all right, how do I get to that destination? And not just saying, hey, I'm already there, you know, because I am, I just need to remember who I, who I am. Um, and yes. it, it, it's so much easier. You know, I was at a, um, I was at a uh, Satnam Fest, uh, Kundalini Yoga yes. Festival, um, actually in, uh, in the Berkshires a few summers ago. And I was waiting in line for, um, you know, it was lunchtime, I was waiting in line for food. And this woman and I struck up a conversation. We were talking about our spiritual names. And I, I can't remember what her name was, but she was like, that's a big name to live up to. And I was like, well, you know, your spiritual name is actually the naming the thing that you already are. And she was like, oh, really? And I was like, they didn't tell you that? <laughs> and she goes, oh my God, that makes me feel so much better. I was like, yeah, you're already that. You just got to remember, you got to peel away the layers. You're already that. And she was like, like she gave me the biggest hug and she was like oh my god this changes everything because and, and 
Yeah. Yes. So no, 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 please go ahead. Finish. No, I was just going to say, and that's, and that's the point. Like for me, when I hear people having spiritual names, I hope that they see that as a reminder of, of naming who they already are. I think that the, the naming of the spiritual names in Kundalini Yoga should come with a, a warning, like a label or a reminder. Like, I, I'm so happy you're actually saying it because somebody might hear this and go like, oh my God, like that woman, like, oh, they didn't. And maybe they did tell her, but the, you can only, she was so overwhelmed with like, oh my God. Like I have now to live I've up to this name. I've been given this name. Yeah. I, and I think it's like, it's one of those things, but like, even in, you know, like nowadays, like my, my friends will say like, um, Oh, like, so one of my clients has a, um, a very Hawaiian name mm. and, um, and she said, I was conceived in Hawaii. She's, she's not Hawaiian, but she's like, and it means this, like, even if you look up, like, what does David mean? What does Karen mean? What yeah. does like, Leslie mean? Like, whatever, you know, sometimes your parents do it purposefully. And sometimes it's just like, oh, I like the way that name sounds or whatever, you know, but we're all, I'm like the, the, the greatest name. I always say, you know, it's all about, I think, identity too. It's like, how do we identify? That's a question I always love to ask people. I'm like, so if I asked you, who are you? What, what would you say? And it's, it's fascinating to listen to how people um, self-identify. And, yeah. I, and I think about that a lot too. Like people who have like multiple names, like, you know, like you do, like you have your um, given name, your birth name, I should say. And then you have your, your you know, um, Kundalini Yoga given name. And I think, you know, the, the ego, like the ego loves to name things. Like it loves yes. to say, oh, dog, cat, good, bad, tall, fat, this, that, this, that. And it's, it's the labels of this world that actually like keep us separate. But I do think that there's something powerful about being, so we call it being named. I also call it like being anointed. And mm -hmm. I feel like we were all anointed as, and again, call it whatever you want to call it, right? I always say, insert your happy word here. But I always say, right. we're all God's kids. Yeah. Like, and whether you call that the creator, the source, the universe, I don't care. We all come from the one. And so if we can remember that, if we can yeah. remember that, like the experience we're, I always say the experience we're going for is love. Like yeah. that's yeah. it. Yeah. And whether you do it as a trash collector or you do it as a school teacher or you do it as a spiritual mentor or a writer or a poet or a storyteller or a massage therapist, I don't care how you get there. I'm married to a musician, right? Professional music. I don't care how we, we do it. The only gig, your only identity, you're, I'm like, let's just make it wicked simple. I always say we have an identity crisis and a purpose problem, right? <laughs> you know, that's what I say. Everybody's like, who am I? Why am I here? Okay. Right, right, right. I'm going to make it wicked simple for you. Okay. Like number one, because once you do this, all the other shit gets easier. Who you are is love. Mm. You are the extension of love. That is it. You are love. Amen. Love being love. The only gig, your only job, your only purpose is to extend that love. Yes. It doesn't matter what title we give ourselves. Guru, teacher, priest, holy woman, again, garbage collect. It doesn't matter the labels that this world, the ego tries to, because it's how it finds meaning and direction. It's like, wait, who am I here? Yeah, yeah. You are love. Your only gig is to extend that love. When you're making a sandwich for your kids, make it with love. Yeah, yeah. When you're offering a program or a service, do it with love. When mm -hmm. you're making love, do it with love. Yeah. When you're doing, and love looks, don't think that love always looks like, I always say love is fierce. Like sometimes bhakti. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. Sh shakti. Yeah. 
So it looks different depending yeah. on what the situation calls for. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? That brings us back to the poem. Ah. <laughs> I was just thinking about like, you know, we were talking, we started the conversation with love and, and love does take on different, different forms. And, and I was just reminded of that ecstatic, you know, rowdy yes. love that's being expressed in, in Hafez's work and Rumi's work. Um, and actually, I think that's a really good segue into whatever poem you've chosen. Yes. <laughs> So, uh, so this is a poem um, by a gentleman named Rudy Francisco, and it's from his book Helium, and it's a play off of um, Nikki Giovanni's um, poem um, called um, Allowables, and so it's called Mercy. His poem is called, the title is Mercy After Nikki Giovanni. Mm. She asked me to kill the spider. Instead, I got the most peaceful weapons I can find. I take a cup and a napkin. I catch the spider, put it outside, and allow it to walk away. If I am ever caught in the wrong place, at the wrong place, just being alive and not bothering anyone, I hope I am greeted with the same kind of mercy mm. Mm. oh my god i got chills so good so yeah good. it's really good and it's a reminder like so much of what's what's happening yeah uh, in the world right now that um we see things you know we see things that you know the the last line of because nikki giovanni's poem is also about spiders and what she basically talks about is how she, she killed this spider and it was just this little spider and it wasn't some big ugly thing or scary thing. And she, she got scared. So she smashed it. And she said her, her final lines are, I don't think I'm allowed to kill something because I am frightened. Mm. Oof. And I think Oof. that in this day and age right now, there's a yeah. lot, there's a lot of violence and there's a lot of, Fear. ideas of others and racism and i i just think like man can we please just be more tender and merciful yeah towards yeah. each other you know at, at this time because we're all man and that it goes back to that whole thing of like well why don't people blah 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 it's like i i hold on to the fact that like when when we know better hopefully we will do better yeah but we yeah. have to be willing to let these old stories of separation and otherness and specialness all all these tools of the ego we we have to allow them to die and fall away and i think that's what's happening right now i think yeah all these old structures and systems and mm -hmm. ways of being everything from our health the things that affect our body like covid all the way up to the systems of government and racism and stuff like that we are in the hallway of the unknown Oh, because yeah. the old stuff is dying and falling oh, away. Yeah. It's all coming up. All the it's shit. A huge, yeah, it's a it's huge all coming up. It's, it's all big, coming up. Who, who was I talking to? I was talking to somebody. It was like a big enema. <laughs> it is like it's time to get, get out. Time to get really clear about a lot of things. And yeah. the old ways aren't working anymore. It goes mm -hmm. back to the Einstein thing. The old ways aren't working anymore. Right. And so this is the, this is the time. And I say, you know, if you're alive right now, you know, A Course in Miracles, the Bible, lots of different traditions, they all say the same thing, which is you are the light of the world. Mm 
Yes. And if we are the light of the world, we got to shine our lights in some of those really dark places. We can't be afraid to shine bright and we can't be afraid to step into our power and to stop misidentifying as broken and wounded and not capable. And I can't, and I'm too weak and I'm too tired. It's like, no, 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 no. You are the fucking light of the world. Let's go. Let's Let's remember, remember that. Yes. Yes. Woo. Oh my God, Karen, this was amazing. <laughs> oh, I love talking to you. We could talk all day. <laughs> yeah, I had so much fun. And oh, it was such a pleasure. And thank, thank you. you so much oh, for God. having me and inviting me. And to you guys listening, you're so lucky to be in Leslie's care each week. And uh, <laughs> it was just so fun to come and hang out with you guys. So thank oh, you for having thank me. Thank you. And oh. for listening. Woo. And so to close our episode, the divine light in me bows to the divine light in you. Until next time, namaste. Namaste. Are you an empath who's tired of dealing with overwhelm and other people's energy? Get on the wait list for my membership community, Empowered Empaths, where we come together to support and empower each other to set boundaries and build resilience as we step into our calling to raise the vibration of the collective consciousness. In the membership, we practice yoga and meditation, hold sacred healing circles, hear from guest speakers, and engage in pop-up events like tarot card readings. Membership doors open on Sunday, September 20th for just four days. For more information and to sign up for the waitlist, go to suryakian.com slash membership waitlist. Your best life starts now.